Warning, this podcast is a Korea Black production. This is a podcast for adults only. It is not a podcast for people who think podcast hosts should be emotional friends, spiritual advisors, surrogate parents, or role models for their children, grandchildren, or potential offspring. This podcast may contain all sorts of trigger warning type content such as graphic language, harsh judgments, and microaggressive behavior. If you are a sensitive person or reality challenged, or you only listen to podcasts that agree with your religious views, personal philosophy, ideology, or feelings about life in general, please do not listen to this podcast. All comments, compliments, and complaints should be sent to koreablack at koreablackproductions.com. Thank you. ladies and gentlemen i am back with gianna and today we are going to do blade runner the 1982 film now as some of y'all know because we do a lot of science fiction on this podcast blade runner is considered like one of the pillars of science fiction in the 80s the influence is overwhelming how many people look up to this film like it's a holy grail i'm a big fan of this film although i hadn't watched it in a few years so as i'm watching it i'm probably thinking in Gianna's genius intellect brain that there's some cheesy over the top moments in this film. However, for me, they don't bother me as much because I look at the film as a whole and because it was, it's just the world that Ridley Scott created and Philip uh, K. Dick created, although this is much different than the book from what I've been told because I've never read the book, but the world that was created to me was the goal of the film not necessarily some moments that probably could have been done better today as far as the acting goes and you know this that and the other but this to me was a great film i like the atmosphere of the film i love seeing a younger harrison ford this is right before harrison ford was right in his prime with the indiana jones stuff so i, I like him in that time period so overall i think it's a great film i i, I don't watch a lot of rucker howard movies but he's the villain of this film and i thought he was pretty good in this uh, Daryl Hannah was okay. I actually liked her better in Kill Bill than in this. Um, but generally, I think everything was pretty good with this film. Oh, and I would really, I'm not an animal person, but I would love to have that owl. I would give anything to have that damn owl just for the rest of my life. I think it's awesome. So I'll turn it over to Gianna now. Before we get into this, did you say it's based on a Philip K. Dick novel called do androids dream of electric sheep yes i'm gonna shamelessly plug us here fellow listeners sean and i also write screenplays on the side and we recently won the philip k dick short script sci-fi award yes we did (laughs) so i'm just gonna put that in there because you know shameless plug nice to uh thought it went along with this episode yeah i wasn't even gonna mention it but thank you (laughs) (laughs) um 
Okay, so first of all, I'm going to tell you, and you probably heard, we were talked about this, I hate 80s movies. Yes. Because they are too campy, and they are too over the top, but that was the time, right? right. And this is early 80s, too. 82. So, I will say exactly, well, you, you pegged me, is the overall story is, is a great story, but I got lost in the cheese a little bit oh my god <laughs> i know and i kept trying to tell myself go back and pretend that you were like this this you were there in the 80s when this came out and forget all the stuff you know now uh and try to like actually appreciate what it is right yes. so i did i did go in with that thought process of like don't be overly critical <laughs> about uh about how this is but and i also agree with you i love harrison ford I love um, Rucker Howard. Actually, I don't know if you ever saw this movie. There's a movie called Lady Hawk that I was obsessed with when I was a little kid. I know about it. That was an <laughs> 80s film, though. It was an 80s film. I think yeah. it was Michelle Pfeiffer was in it. But yeah, yeah. That, and he was the main guy in that one. And I, I haven't watched it in years. But I was thinking about it, seeing him in this movie going, oh, wow, yeah, I used to watch that movie like all the time when I was a little kid. <laughs> I don't know if he was the bad guy, but he plays a lot of, in the 80s was his 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 heyday. Yeah, he like I'd forgotten about him, but he was like huge in the 80s. Yeah, he just passed so, away a few years ago. Yeah, but uh, he was a great one. And then like you said to Harrison Ford, like he still does good movies. Like should he have done the newest Indiana Jones? Probably not. Um, <laughs> but you know, he was the, he was also huge in, you know, in the eighties with all yeah. the star Wars, well, that was seventies, but star Wars stuff and Indiana Jones. And like, he was the, he was the guy. So, although I was reading in my research that he and Ridley Scott did not get along at all. No, they hated movie. each other. Well, I so. think it's more Harrison hated Ridley. Yeah. Um, cause Ridley, I, I think they've made amends now, but Harrison Ford didn't want to do this. He hated this movie. And he he didn't like Star Wars either. He the only thing he really liked was his Indiana Jones stuff. And then when he did that clear and present danger stuff, the Tom Clancy movies. Mm -hmm. But he did not like this film at all. And it was a it was a very cantankerous relationship between the two of them the whole time they filmed this. Even when they brought him back, because there's a voiceover track of this uh, cut of this movie too that he did not want to do. That might have been the original one because this one didn't have that. But there's there's like five different cuts of this film, and one of them is a voiceover one that Harrison Ford did not want to do. So yeah, that's what I was reading. Is that that was, and it was it wasn't even because of Ridley, but I guess it's that at some point they fired Ridley Scott, and two other people took over that thought they could salvage the film. Yeah, uh, and they're the ones that brought Harrison in, so he was pissed off because it's like as he put it, like two idiots telling him what to do after the film was already done. Right. So. Because he was already a star by the, the Star Wars yeah. stuff had already come out, and the Indiana Jones had, uh, yeah, the first one had already come out. So he was already a mega star at that point. So you couldn't tell him nothing, you know. Yeah, and then I also read that like you know this was Ridley Scott's first Amer film he filmed in America. Yeah. So it was saying that he wasn't used to the different like rules, the union rules and stuff like that associated with being on set, you know, as to how they did it in England. And mm -hmm. I mean, that's still nowadays, if you if you bounce back and forth, like the rules for filming are very different yeah. and how like work hours and all that kind of stuff. I can understand how that would be like a little jarring for everybody to not be used to the different, you know, and this is the 80s, right? So you're not getting as much crossover as you probably are now. Like now they film movies everywhere, right? So I'm sure yeah. directors are used to 
all these different countries and their rules, right? But now, like, this was probably, you know. However, he did have some clout because he had done Alien by this point. Yeah. So he did. He wasn't just like a kid fresh off the street kind of thing. Yeah. He was at that point. He was considered the science fiction guy. Mm-hmm. So that's why he got this film, you know. And also, I don't know if you saw this in your reading. There are a lot of people, and I haven't really done the research to know this my personal self, but there are a lot of people who believe that this universe is connected to the alien universe. It's the same universe. Oh, really? But the alien stuff would ha- obviously happen later. But it's the same universe that all this is taking place in. Um, Let me also say that their version of 2019 is uh, <laughs> quite interesting. I thought of that because you brought it up when we did Sparrow. And you thought it was kind of cool that you were reading about a story that happens in the years that we're currently living in. Mm -hmm. And when I saw the 2019 Los Angeles uh, title card come up, I figured you were going to say something about it because that Los Angeles doesn't exist today. Not in our world anyway. But (laughs) then again, we don't also, we don't have flying cars either. Yeah. You know, it's a completely, I mean, this, this movie came out 40 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) And we don't have the flying, we're not even, we're not even close to this world, you know? Yeah. I mean, on the one hand, you should be glad because they have serious smog problems in this yeah. world, pollution problems and everything like that. That was kind of the point of uh, one of the major points of the story is the pollution of the world. That's where everybody back then thought we were heading. So, but you're right. It's it's nothing like, although they can leave the planet. I wish I could leave the planet, <laughs> so, but they can leave. Yeah. I don't need all that smog though. But I, uh, And you notice how most of it's set in Chinatown. Yeah. Um, that is why the Japanese were so influenced by it. They liked the Asian aesthetic to the film. And it's just spoke to a most mainly Gen X people, my people. It spoke to them so broadly that that's why a lot of anime, especially when they do anything that has to do with cyberpunk or science fiction, pays homage to Blade Runner, the original film. Mm-hmm. You know, Harrison Ford probably doesn't give a shit about that. But he had a great influence. Ridley Scott does though. They had a they had they had a tremendous effect on the creations that came out of Japan because of this one singular film. This yeah. one right here. The one that you think is cheesy. <laughs> well, I also find it very interesting that they the movie kind of bombed because it went up against E.T. Yeah. And that it eventually found itself as a cult classic, which a lot of these sci-fi movies do. I think it would have bombed anyway, though. Because yeah, it's not so? it, it wasn't Star Trek and it wasn't Star mm-hmm. Wars. It's it's its own beast. There's not a whole lot of action in it. It's slow, it's methodical. And those films have bursts of action that feed to the masses like red meat. And Blade Runner's not built like that. Especially yeah. when you watch the sequel, it, it ain't even close to anything like Star Wars or Star Trek. It's yeah. closer to Dune than it is the, those two films. Mm-hmm. So I think it would have bombed anyway, because in the 80s, people liked actions. For whatever reason, in the 80s, people loved to see explosions. I don't know what it was. It was a big thing in the 80s to see something go boom. <laughs> I don't know why, but that that was a big deal. So I, I think no matter what it would have went up with, unless it was going up against nothing, it would have bombed anyway. Because that's why it became a cult classic. You had to discover this film. Yeah. And it gen- generally was like word of mouth, or you read maybe the comic book or you read the original novel or something like that. That's how you came to this film. Yeah, and this movie opens with another uh, style choice that I, we don't see often anymore, which is a text scroll at the beginning, kind of explaining some things. Yeah, I feel like, because, you know, Star Wars did this. I feel like this was something used back in, like, the 70s and 80s, but you definitely don't really see this anymore, I feel like. Right. They just throw you in now. 
Yeah. I yeah. mean, you don't even have real credits anymore in like TV shows. I don't miss that. <laughs> I like that. I I did because sometimes the credits take forever. I noticed yeah. that in this film. This took a long time before we get to the first frame. You know, before you see yeah. any imagery, you have to go through the credits. You have to go through that scrolling title card, and then we finally see something. It's you know? true. It was a while. I noticed that. I was like, oh, is this movie gonna start? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but yeah. So in the opening text scroll it explains that in the near future which i mean i guess i don't know what they consider the near future but uh they've created synthetic humans or as they call them replicants which are robots or androids that are basically identical to humans but stronger and at least as intelligent maybe more intelligent than the humans that created them and they're built by uh, the Tyrell Corporation, and they're used for basically labor, right? Uh, it also says that most of uh, the people have moved off Earth, right, it's, mm -hmm. into off-world colonies. Yeah. And that these replicants were put in the colonies to be, like, used as slave labor, basically. And I'm assuming they were also used for sex slaves as well. Well, they kind of mentioned that, right, because one of them's a pleasure model, yeah. which I took as a prostitute basically right like a robot prostitute yeah and uh they're not playing chess <laughs> i'm just saying <laughs> some people find chess very pleasurable though <laughs> yeah but it says that following a violent mutiny by the replicants that they were all banned from being on earth and that the blade runners are what they call the special uh units that hunt them down and retire them aka kill them right <laughs> so i like how they call it retiring them that's right so it's just a euphemism it's a nice way of sending you off into the nothingness yeah so yeah then we get the opening shot of la in november of 2019 which is very looks a lot like tokyo i'm gonna say yeah totally. uh very like electronic everywhere very like well tokyo's not smoggy but like smoggy which is very like uh well there were blast furnaces everywhere yeah we saw that too they were just yeah. exploding everywhere but it's very much like uh uh technologically advanced right like yeah. there's technology everywhere so that was kind of an interesting and very crowded yeah and lots of uh flying vehicles and, and I rainy. feel like it just rained. I would say it just rained the entire movie. The, the whole time. Like, <laughs> which is funny because I don't think LA now is really known for its raining all the time, right? It's mostly uh mostly Well, no, sunny. I think that's a side effect of the pollution, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I think that's why the rain's happening. But it, it's yeah. more like, because when I was coming up, they used to tell us about the acid rain that was coming. They used yeah. to say that. And I, I'm assuming this is what they were talking about. This is, although they're walking around in the, the rain. They're not dying, but I guess it's, it's bad for, you know, the buildings, metal, everything, because everything's kind of run down, except they have high tech. It's mm -hmm. really weird. All the buildings. Oh, another show, Cowboy Bebop is like this. We're on Earth. The 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 buildings and stuff are kind of run down unless you have money, but they have high tech. They can leave the planet. They can fly around. They can they have guns, everything. It's weird. Mm -hmm. So. So the first real scene we get is this man who we find out his name is Holden. And he's interviewing a new employee for the Tyrell Corporation. And he's got this machine that's like, like looks at, like uh, analyzes the eye, right? As they're interviewing the person. 
Yeah. And it's called we like I think I don't know if he says it now or does the guy ask? He says it's the Voight Conf Analyzer, is what Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And uh he starts asking the guy a bunch of like really strange questions. And the guy's being all weird about like what what is you know the purpose of this? And he tells him that the the questions are meant to affect the emotion of the person. And basically it's used to determine if you're a robot or not, if you're one of the replicants. It's like a lie detector test. Yeah. And after a few of these questions, the man becomes like very out of control and pulls out a gun and shoots Holden. Shoots him twice and goes through the wall. A little cheesy. <laughs> I, I know it, it did look like it was a set piece. It was designed to turn. Yeah. <laughs> it was just too, the breaking of the wall was too set. It, it just looked yeah. like it was designed to happen that way. But you know, and then they too probably look pretty cool. Yeah. So this is where we meet. Uh, it, it then shifts to Harrison Ford, who's known as Deckard in the movie, who is a Blade Runner who no longer Blade Runs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my. Do they God. ever? They never really say why they call it a Blade Runner, right? Like that's just a term um, that. There's a reason. I never Googled it, but uh, there is a reason. It must be in the novel. There is a reason why they call them Blade Runners, um, okay. but I don't think they ever say it in the movie because the movie's different than the book is. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, we first meet him. He's trying to get uh, order at a noodle stand, which I assume is supposed to be in Chinatown, right? Yeah. And he's approached by Gaff, who's played by another great actor, Edward James Olmos. Very young Lo Edward James. Yeah, I know. I didn't recognize him. Yeah. I had to look at the IMDb, and I was like, "Oh shit, that's Edward yeah. James Olmos!" Like, so yeah, it's. But uh, yeah, I'm just used to seeing him in his older parts, that's like when, right. yeah, when he's older. Um. And Gaff tells him that he's under arrest and you see Deckard kind of like push him off and and not like really listen to him until he says that Bryant is asking for him. And that makes Deckard agree to go. So they go in their little flying car and we meet Deckard's old boss, Bryant, that tells him that there are four replicants or he calls them skin jobs, which is kind of <laughs> funny. Uh, I forgot about that part, actually. Yeah, that there that, was a uh, slang for it. That have escaped from a colony, an off colony, and made it back to. They stole a ship and came back to Earth. And I guess Decker's supposed to be considered one of the best Blade Runners ever, right? So that's why they want him to come back and and hunt down these four replicants. Yeah, well, there were six though, total. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. There were six, but two of them have already been killed. Yeah. Uh, and there's four still on the loose. Uh, and Decker says they should give the job to Holden, but we find out Holden isn't actually, uh, that he's on life support, basically. Yep. <laughs> that he's not, uh, he didn't, he's alive, but he's not able to do anything. After yeah, we never shot. see him again. Yeah, we don't. Very, yeah, very small part. Well, we see they watch footage of the, the whole thing go down, I guess. Oh, yeah, that was a replay that. of what had actually happened, but I, we never yeah. see him after he gets shot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they say the two replicants were killed by a, a, a fence, right? A high-voltage fence? Yeah. yeah, or a field or something like that. Um, trying to break into the Tyrell Corporation. So that's what he tells them is the they believe that these other four are going to try and uh, attack the Tyrell Corporation or Tyrell himself. And we find out that there's four... The four of them, there's the leader, which is Roy Batty, who's Rutgers Howard's character. And he's like a very advanced, intelligent model. We have Zora, who's an assassin, uh, 
Pris, right? Or Pri? How do they pronounce it? Pris. Pris, who's Daryl Hannah, a very young Daryl Hannah, is our pleasure robot. <laughs> and Leon is the one that we saw interviewing, being interviewed by Holden and who shot him. But yeah. he also was able to get out and disappear somehow, even though they're in the Tyrell Corporation, right? That actor was actually a uh, what, Brian James. He was a well-known character actor back in the day. Oh, he really? passed away in 99, but he used to play a lot of bad guy roles. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that because I don't watch a lot of 80s movies. Well, we know. So. We know. <laughs> so these are all the Nexus 6 model, which is the most advanced model. And they talk about how even though they were designed to not have emotions, that they think the technology is evolving and that some of these replicants are starting to have emotions which is scary because then they become more human-like right but what else would happen mm -hmm. i mean what is the point of making them look like humans if you don't want them to act like humans it's true you see well, we've watched a few movies where that's i don't know it always seems to go awry <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i mean i, I don't understand Either you're trying to create your own being. The only reason I yeah. see you do this is because you want to do things to them that you couldn't do to humans. Yeah. Whether it be legal, illegal, whatever. You want free reign over them. Basically, you want them to be a human pet or human-like pet. That's the only reason you make them look like humans. Why else would you do it? True. So we also find out that these Nexus 6... I've only been given like they're the fail safe so that they don't get out of hand is they only live for four years. There's something in them that makes them expire after the four year mark. Yep. And uh, the whole point is Tyrell, or sorry, the Tyrell has asked that Deckard go to the, his headquarters and test the Voight comp machine on a Nexus six to see if it really works. And Deckard worries that like that, these new ones have been designed so well that, that it might not work, mm -hmm. right? So that's another scary thing, right? They become, they start to beat the own their own technology. Yeah. <laughs> like, And if you didn't put that, uh, I guess, death code in them, yeah. how long would they live and would they keep in evolving? Yeah, exactly. You know, because then they're going to get to the point where, well, why do we need y'all? Mm -hmm. We could make our own replicants. We don't need human humanity anymore. So why are you here? Yeah. And there's too many of you. <laughs> so Deckard and Gaff go to the Tyrell headquarters and Deckard meets his assistant, Rachel, who's played by Sean Young, who she was also very popular in the 80s, right? She was till she went crazy. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> for the Batman film. This is just oh! a side story. Yeah. She okay. she scared Tim Burton because she was dressed as Bat or I'm sorry, Catwoman in order to get the role and it freaked him out so much that it kind of ruined her career because she was seen as uh, she was already kind of weird to begin with but after that moment she was seen as kind of crazy and this was coming out of the 80s where she'd already done several she'd worked with kevin costner too harrison ford so she would had a good resume going into the 90s when that batman movie was coming but she i don't know it was she was seen as kind of crazy because tim burton doesn't like anybody crazier than him in the room <laughs> and she kind of out crazied him and it actually ended up ruining or side railing her career really interesting yeah. well she was big in the eighties. that was when she, that was her time interesting uh but yeah you know she's a very beautiful and very like mysterious type woman right in the office and there's also an owl like you were talking about earlier 
that uh, that is there and and this is where they give you like Harrison Ford's asked if, if it's real and she says of course not so they imply that in this movie all all real animals are basically extinct which is kind of weird <laughs> but I guess you know I don't know was that the implication that all animal life is gone I feel like that was the implication do you not oh no no that's not what uh, maybe I don't know I didn't I, I was getting because no, later... no that's not true because because all right this is kind of jumping ahead but Zora, one of the replicants, he is asked, is the snake real? And she says, of course it's not real. If it was real, do you think I'd be working here? Okay, so maybe they still exist, but they're like very rare. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, I'm still thinking they're afford... eating real yeah. food. Yeah. You know? So, okay. But so the I thing guess... with an artificial animal is you can make it so it doesn't attack the owner. It doesn't go crazy. It yeah. does what it's supposed to do. You know, mm-hmm. if that was the case, I wouldn't mind having pets. Plus, it ain't shitting all over my carpet. <laughs> well, you don't have to feed it. It doesn't shit everywhere. That's yeah. right. You just yeah. have to charge it up like my phone. Yeah. <laughs> but eventually, Dr. Tyrell comes out and Deckard says, okay, let's test this on a replicant. And he says, no, let's test it on a human first. I want to see it work or I want to see it fail before it works. So they he offers up Rachel to be the test. And Deckard sits there and asks her all these questions and just weird. They're very weird questions. Like, I yeah. I don't know. It's just kind of, I wonder how they came up with like such random, strange questions. <laughs> like, I just remember the one was like, if you were married and you, or you come, you're in a, scrolling in a magazine and you come across a nude photo or something. It's like, yeah. uh, okay. Well, <laughs> like, honestly, there's some precedents for this because uh, the NFL does a test like this too. And a, about four or five years ago, one of the people asked one of the players in the Super Bowl, was your mom ever a prostitute? Now, that would offend anybody, even if your mom was a prostitute. But yeah. that is the kind of stuff that they will ask. And it's all, all it's designed to do is get a certain reaction. Yeah, out of listen you, to reaction. Yeah. To see how you can react to being offended and how you handle it. So that's yeah. what it's about. I've also heard of this testing for job interviews too, certain jobs that you take. They yeah. intentionally ask you this to see how you'll be, how you react to it. Mm-hmm. And then you're graded accordingly whether to decide whether they're going to bring you on or not, you know? Yeah. So I don't know how you would handle some of these questions. I don't know if you get offended or storm out or what, because you're a very high paid woman. So I, I don't know if you take it, you know, I, I am not as high paid as you. So I, I might not have the same reaction as you, but Whatever. You know, you'd be trying to defend that money. So anyways, so. <laughs> You know, it's implied that he's asked her a lot of questions, right? And we finally see the machine do something, which signifies that she's actually a replicant. So Tyrell asks her to leave, and Deckard, he said, he asks Deckard, how many questions does it usually take? And he says 20 to 30, but it took over 100 for Rachel. And then he asks if she knows that she's a replicant, and Tyrell says no. So he's create now he's created a replicant that fully, like, they've implanted memories in her. Yeah. She's an experimental one that like to fully believe that she's human. Which is kind of scary, not gonna lie. Yeah. Um because yeah, if it if how can you tell me I'm not real if all the memories feel real to me? Mm-hmm. You know, we we actually don't know like what is the difference? Like if you cut them open or is there circuitry? Yeah, I guess they don't really say, right? You know, we, we so don't know. Human like that they can obviously have sex and everything, right? Like they're 
even when they bleed, when they get shot, it's red mm -hmm. blood. Oh, that's right. You're right. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I don't know. We never see one dissected. So we don't that's know. It's, it's like in Westworld, we see them dissected, built, mm -hmm. cut up, all this kind of stuff. Westworld yeah. was also another show, not the original movie, but the show took a lot of influence from this movie with the flying cars, the way the city was built sense. and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So after this encounter, we follow Deckard. There was a, when Leon was given his test to prove if he was a re uh, replicant or not, he gave a home address. So Deckard is going to that address to see if he, you know, if Leon's stupid enough to be there, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he gets in the apartment and there's nobody there, but he does find a bunch of photographs and an animal scale. What he doesn't realize is Leon's actually sees him in there. Yeah. And we also see Roy and they end up having an, you know, they meet up and Leon informs Roy that uh, he doesn't have his photographs, I guess they're like important to him and that someone was in his apartment. So they go to a shop called iWorld. Yeah. Where this guy, uh, Hannibal is uh, creating eyes for replicants for Ty the Tyrell Corp. And they confront him about uh, incept dates, which the incept date is like, the, the yeah, when they were created so that they know how long their four years are. Yeah, your birthday. The So yeah, so they, then they can find out their lifespan. And they threaten Q uh, Chu, Hannibal Chu, by putting him in a, a like a freeze container. And so mm. he's like starting to freeze. I don't know what you call him. And uh Oh, the you mean the cryogenic cryo container? chamber. There you yeah, go. Yeah. Thank you. And uh there he tells them that like the Tyrell's the only one who knows how to increase the lifespans. So the only way they're going to find out is if they go and talk to Tyrell, which obviously is imp almost impossible. Yeah. <laughs> so so they're told that there's an employee named JF Sebastian that may be able to help them meet up with Tyrell. Just a side note, there are a lot of eccentric personalities in this movie. Yes, there I are. I mean, now this is something you don't generally see in today's television, but in the 80s, 70s and 80s, really, you used yeah. to see a lot of this. And then the 90s came and a lot of that went away. So that that I couldn't figure out whether you'd be into that or not, because as the film gets goes deeper into the story it gets weirder with yeah that. it gets like campy a little yeah. bit and it just yeah i wasn't a huge fan of that it, it honestly know. feels in some parts like this is alice in wonderland that story yeah. to me was always kind of surreal and just yeah. out there and especially when uh we get into the sebastian parts it just seems like it's this is where it's kind of going into its own world thing you know yeah so i i, I figured you probably weren't really feeling that once we got to him and his little things there. Yeah. So we follow Deckard back to his apartment and he's Rachel's in the elevator and he's kind of an asshole to her. <laughs> like, and he basically tells her that she's a replicant and she tries to defend herself by saying that, uh, she, like we talked about earlier that she has memories and she actually even has pictures Yeah. showing and, and, he tells her like, no, you're, it's all faked. Like all those memories. And he starts telling her her own memories because he knows them because Tyrell implanted them into her. And that all of these memories that she thinks are hers are actually Tyrell's nieces. Yeah. 
There's Which, a story you know, he tells where he's talking about there's a spider making a web outside oh, of the yeah. bedroom and the spider lays an egg and then the egg bursts into a hundred spiders and the spiders eat their mother. Mm-hmm. And he starts the story and she finishes it. And then she yeah. starts to cry because she knows she's the only one who knew about that. So how would he know? Unless he, he does, read it somewhere. Yeah, he says that to her. Have you ever told this to anyone? Like, how else would I know that this is, you That's know, right. your story? So he's that, basically crushing her by telling her she's a replicant. Yeah, that right there did it right there. Because yeah. who else would have known that story but her? Yeah, and so she gets really emotional, and then he kind of feels bad. So he <laughs> goes to get her a drink, but she leaves. Wait um, a minute. So are you telling me you don't like Deckard? I mean, he's kind of a dick. Come on. <laughs> But then it's like, as the story goes on, I don't know, as we talk about it more, like, uh, this whole him and Rachel thing is a little weird to me, so. Just aside, did you watch um the Indiana Jones movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark? It's been a few years since I've seen it, but yeah. Okay, it it, it was sort of the same thing between him and- Yeah, and that chick, yeah, yeah. the blonde chick, yeah. Although she was more aggressive than this one, than Sean yeah. Young's character, but- it worked the same way. That was Look, an 80s Apparently thing, in the 80s, you just slapped a girl around a little bit and she came too, right? Like that's what everyone, like James Bond, right? Sean Connery was the same way. You smack them around wait, a little wait, bit wait. and they fall in love with you. Is that it, is that how this works? It wasn't technically how you're putting it. The I mean, come on. <laughs> I just, you're making it sound like we're a bunch of cavemen and Look, we just I'm, took what we wanted. I'm, I'm jumping ahead, but the scene gets a little rapey, I felt. Oh like, my God, I knew you were going to say this. I'm oh sorry. God. Maybe, I'm, maybe I'm too woke, but uh, I feel like it got a little rapey for me. Oh my God. <laughs> Anyways, so we uh, now go to cut to a different scene and it's uh, we discover... Uh, priest right i keep saying this are priest priest uh and she's like under blankets trying to stay warm it seems like like she's homeless well it was newspapers newspapers sorry yeah. newspapers yeah yeah but she was on the street corner or next yeah. to one and she gets approached by this man and it uh, seems to startle her so she runs away and i read that this was an accident she slips and accidentally breaks the window of the car or the van that's there yeah and i was reading that that was an accident and that like uh daryl hannah actually shattered her elbow when they did this oh i didn't know that yeah so that's kind of it was totally an accident but i guess they left it in the movie hmm. so she runs away and then the guy is like being super nice to her and like she kind of it's, it's all a setup we it's because this yeah. guy is jf sebastian so like this whole thing is her just like playing the victim, like playing until he like invites her into his. He lives in this old abandoned hotel, basically. Yeah. And he's the gene- he's a genetic designer for Tyrell, and and the one that they said could possibly help them get into the Tyrell uh, compound and actually talk to him. So Priest agrees, and she goes up to in the hotel with him, and this is where we meet these two creepy little dolls that he engineered. Was, <laughs> those were so creepy. That's what I thought. This is the Alice yeah. in the Wonderland part. Yeah. <laughs> um, and his whole his apartment or building, whatever, is filled yeah. with them. The, he created all of them. Also, it's funny because at some point, like she asks how old he is and he says 25. And then he later explains that he's got a disease where he looks older. But I was like, God damn, he's an old 25. Yeah, <laughs> like, no. I was like, is this what 25 looked like in the 80s? Uh, but then, they, then they explain it. And I was like, oh, OK, that makes sense. Yeah, he's got some <laughs> disease called Methuselah syndrome or something. Yeah. And it's a, I guess it's a gland, glandular disease. And he because when he said 25, 
I was like, come on. I, I mean, I could see all the right. I, yeah, I did the same thing too. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, uh, you know, I know that like they play older, like older people play younger people, but like this seems a little yeah. crazy. I don't even so. know why you had to say twenty five. Yeah. But well, me. that's why like they, they he talks later saying that's why he hasn't left Earth, right? Because he, the genetic disorder he has, he can't leave Earth. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. that's what he says later. So they had to give him some kind of like reason why he can't leave Earth. Right. I just say he was too sick. Yeah. Well, but the whatever. 25 things just that was the thing that bugged me <laughs> most of anything in the movie. Like, no, you're not because he this guy, William Sanderson, he uh he had a pretty good career. He was on the Newhart show too. Yeah. Uh, Bob Newhart show. And he done movies and all kinds of stuff. He's in Clint Eastwood movies. So he had a uh, he was pretty big in the eighties as a character actor. Okay. Not that you know anything about that. Probably not. Nope. <laughs> So we then, uh, oh, sorry, Priest does mention that she might have some friends stop by. So she's setting the stage for the other three to come over. We go back to Deckard, and he is looking at the photographs that he found in Leon's apartment, and he zooms in on a woman in the background who he believes is Zora. Yeah, Zora. And realizes she has a, a serpent tattoo on her neck so maybe it's related to the animal skin that he found in the uh apartment as well yep but i think he thinks it's from a fish right yeah originally so, he thinks it's a fish that's fish scale yeah he goes and has it examined in the asian market again like you said this takes place mostly in chinatown and the woman tells him that it's actually a snake and she's also able to see like a serial number because it's fake right or like it's artificial mm-hmm. and uh she's able to tell him the name of the maker so he can go track him down. And she points him to the guy's shop. So Deckard goes to confront the guy and he tells him that he made the snake for a club owned by uh, Taffy. Taffy Lewis. Yeah. The actual snake maker was, uh, they just called him the Egyptian. And he he just makes, I guess, mechanical. He had a snake on him when we saw him mm-hmm. uh, around his neck, but he makes mechanical engineered snakes, I guess. Yeah. So Decker goes to the club and he tries to get Lewis to talk and identify the girl, but he's not, he doesn't get anywhere basically. So he just drinks. <laughs> <laughs> and then he places a call to Rachel, I guess, because he feels, he finally feels bad for the way he treated her and asks if she'd like to come a, to come have a drink, but she tells him it's not her kind of place and she just hangs up on him. So, But that wasn't rude. Good for her. But, oh. Oh, after the way he treated her? Fuck well, him. He's trying to make amends. He's offering yeah. the olive branch. Yeah. So he goes and tracks down Zora, who's basically a stripper. Yeah. Uh, at the at a club, and she's using this snake for her performance. And I also read, like, as reading trivia for this, that that snake actually belonged to the actress in real life. So that's all her doing. But, Joanna Cassidy. Yeah. She was big in the 80s, too. And oh, 90s. Really? Yeah. Yeah, see, I don't know any of these people because, again, not an 80s movie. Fan. I know. Although, you know, Daryl <laughs> Hannah. That's true. But she's, I mean, she's been in so much stuff that, like, yeah. she was in Kill Bill movies, you know, all that but stuff. So. She got big for Clan of the Cave Bear and Splash. Really oh, I high. do remember Clan of the Cave Bear. Yeah. yeah. I remember and then that she movie. did Splash with uh, yeah. was it Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, yeah. Yeah. So that was all 80s. Oh, Legal Eagles with uh, Robert Redford. I don't know if I saw that one. Yeah, it was a big time comedy in 1986. So yeah, he you know he starts talking to her and claims to be uh, a union representative that wants to see if she'll join. 
because he's saying that club owners have been putting cameras or not cameras but peepholes in dressing rooms and spying on women getting naked and everything okay, like that. stop right there this made no sense she's a stripper <laughs> yeah what 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 does it matter if someone's looking uh, at a peephole? I know, and this made no sense too because she takes her titties out right in front of him. So like, why does <laughs> why does she even care, well, right? It, it just, like, I don't know what that was. I I totally forgot about yeah. that scene. I don't know if someone didn't know what to do with that, or I don't know or, if it's in the story. What? Or maybe that's why she picks up right away that he's a liar and beats the shit out of him because like maybe that's supposed to be so stupid that she won't believe it, right? I guess because just... you're right. I mean, she gets it right away and she just like beats him up. Yeah. So you know, it just does not translate well today. I just that was just stupid. Very interesting outfits though, um, in this <laughs> this time period. It was because, very stylized. Yeah, she walks out with with no top on yeah. and she has him help her put on what's basically just like a like not even chain mail but like a metal thing a that like bustier? goes over well i don't even like know if Madonna it's a bustier no because it's just got like hooks that goes over her shoulders and like other hooks that go around her rib cage and then there's like covers her boobs yeah it was a weird i don't know that was just kind of a weird choice and then she puts a plastic raincoat over the top see-through it's interesting because it just went from priest saying she's cold outside and trying to like cover up and then this woman is dashing around in next to nothing <laughs> just, i don't know just doesn't track let, let me explain something to you Gianna. in the 80s the way you got young adolescent boys to come to the movies was titties was, that is exactly right <laughs> titties are gold in america <laughs> I don't care what era you live in. Although today there's a little bit of pushback because people say you just put that in there to get the adolescent boys, yeah. but it's still gold. It doesn't yeah. make any difference. Yeah, you're right. Anyways, she I think she probably would have killed him, but some other women from the strip club walk into the room and that's when she takes off. Yeah. So he follows her, even though she beat him up. I feel like she got a, some pretty good swings in on him. She would have killed Remember, they're stronger. Well, yeah, but I'm saying he he manages to get up and chase her, even mm. though I kind of thought she beat him up enough that he wouldn't have uh, re like gotten gotten himself um, up that quickly. I guess he's I would Harrison say. Ford. He's Harrison Ford. I don't know what else to say. He's Harrison yeah. Ford. Yeah, he's a, he's a, a a virile white man who's Harrison Ford. What else do you need? Yeah, yeah I guess you're right. <laughs> Anywho, so then there's this great chase scene through. Uh, LA, yeah. downtown LA. And I, I'm kind of surprised that he's just firing through the crowds because, I, like, I thought that was weird too. Right? Like, you know, <laughs> but I think at one point, didn't Rachel ask him if he's ever accidentally retired a human before? Like, I think she asked him that earlier. She did. And uh, then he yeah. fell asleep. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of funny that, like, yeah, I don't know. It was weird that he was just like, firing randomly through the streets yeah i mean it that's like a a nod to the old west days where yeah. you just used to shoot the gun and if someone else got hit oh well but i was aiming at that person it was weird because those streets are very crowded and his gun is almost like a, a hand shotgun you yeah. know that's how powerful it is and he's just bam bam <laughs> like okay <laughs> but whatever so she's running through the street and he's able to catch her and he's able to somehow shoot her through the masses of people twice and she ends up falling through a plate glass window dead but you're right she bleeds right like mm -hmm. so you see that it looks like 
a human. And then Deckard, the bunch of police approach him and he, you know, he identifies who he is. They find the snake under her ear and, you know, one down. Wait, on that scene? I don't, I guess you didn't read that. I'd seen this before. That scene where she's busting through the windows trying to, because I guess she's running through different stores and jumping yeah. through the windows to get away from him. Yeah. They could only do that one time because they only had enough budget to shoot. Oh, this I did one see time. that. This was one of the last scenes. So, yeah. yeah. So it had to go just perfectly. It, it actually looks good uh, for the time. They could have probably done a little yeah. bit better because I don't know. I'm not a big fan of slow motion shots and they slowed it down for that thing. But it still worked out well, though. I actually thought it looked pretty good. Yeah. Well, I just don't like, I mean, they used to do that a lot back then is all these damn slow motion things and it's just for effect. And I guess also so you can actually see what's going on. But I, I don't know. I always just prefer just real time stuff. Just so you know, because we were asking about this, why it's called Blade Runners. Mm -hmm. And the novel from which the title came from, the Blade Runner, the term Blade Runner refers to people who run blades as part of the black market of medical services. Both references to the Blade Runner simply use the term as an arbitrary name for a job description. So it, okay. it does come from the novel. They didn't just do it for the movie. Yeah. Okay. So. so Bryant shows up to talk to Deckard and congratulates him for retiring one mm -hmm. of the replicants. And then he says there's four more left. You know, and, and he's confused because I guess now Bryant tells him that Rachel has disappeared. So yeah. now they expect Deckard to find and kill her as well. Yeah. Which you can see leaves him a little torn because he's apparently now developed feelings for this replicant. That That's what happens. It's so weird now. to me. I just felt like this was so like the, the turn in him is just seems like quick, right? Because he goes from insulting her and being a piece of shit and like looking down on her for being a replicant to suddenly he like likes her. Like, it's just weird. Well, because she started crying in front of him. Yeah. That is a man, especially from the 80s, kryptonite. Yeah. Because then you feel like you got to go rescue her and save her and protect her from the world for what you yeah. just did to her, mm -hmm. you know? Because he was, he was a bit of a dick, you know? Yeah. Now, Deckard leaves and he's grabbed by Leon, another replicant, who is able to get his pistol away from him and starts beating the crap out of him. Yeah. And he gets him in this hold where he's like about to push his fingers right through his through Deckard's eyes, which this is just terrible later on. And they use this is a lot, and this is the line they always repeat: "Wake up, time to die," which is yeah. kind of interesting. But before he can, you know, uh, pop his head like a little uh, balloon, mm -hmm. he gets shot, and we find out that Rachel has grabbed Deckard's pistol and saved him. Perfect shot, by the way. Yeah, right? Like, for someone who's probably never shot a gun. Yep, shoots him right by, right through her. the back of the head, comes out his forehead, yeah. boom, and then he dies. Yeah. That's a good shot. That's that girl power stuff we talked about. Maybe it's built into her replicant DNA that she can, uh, can just, like, shoot someone without trying at all. Maybe. <laughs> it's a defense thing. So, right? So, uh... Uh, you know, clearly Deckard takes her back to his apartment. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like I said, her his his attitude towards her is done a complete 180 now. Yeah. And he cleans himself up and they have this conversation where she asked him if he would find her and hunt her down if she were to run away. And he says that he wouldn't, but they'd just find someone else to do it. Yep. She also asks him about if he knows 
her incept date and how long she has to live, but he claims to not have been told or, or chose to look or whatever at, at her files. So he doesn't know what her incept date is. Well, he said they were classified. Oh, sorry, classified. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he probably knows because how would he know that spider story? Yeah, you're right. So he, yeah, he has looked at it, right? Yeah, he would have had to. He just didn't want to oh. tell her. Yeah. So Deckard ends up falling asleep and we see Rachel playing piano and he wakes up and comes over to her and plays with her. And she makes a comment about like how she, she doesn't know if she ever had lessons, like she remembers lessons, but obviously that probably is just something that was, was given to her, some memories mm -hmm. that were put in her head. And this is where we get to the scene that I was talking about where oh boy. she tries to leave and he like straight up pushes her against a wall. Okay. Like, all right. That, that, that part right there was a little aggressive. Yeah. Um, now don't get me wrong. Okay. Like she admits that she doesn't know how to have sex. And then it goes like, he's telling her how, which is a little weird, but he's telling her how to do it. It's just that first moment where he like, forces her to stay right and and like kind of gets a little aggressive with her and i was like this is a little rapey to me well so. i mean the way i interpreted that scene mm -hmm. he didn't want her to go out of the apartment because there's people out there who might hurt her kill her. all right maybe she's mm -hmm. safer to be here so he had to get aggressive with her to make uh, her understand that you need to I stay guess. here now the sexual attraction was there for a while and just building and everything yeah. came together at the same time. And so he just went for his, you see? I mean, I guess like, but that's the whole thing about sex with a robot. I guess if they're real enough, it's not weird, right? I mean. I well, we're gonna get to that point, yeah. <laughs> yes, because there's a lot of women who want I mean, uh, male robots too, because they don't that's like how men. That's Westworld was though, right? That was that's part right. of the appeal of people going to the park is they could have sex with robots that seemed real so and it's it, technically not cheating i guess i don't know but, oh lord I, so i am wondering how that is if, if so if in a married couple if the man or woman decides to go to a club and have sex with a sex bot is that or is that not cheating yeah i don't know that's a tough one <laughs> i'm surprised you even said that i mean it depends on the situation right like like, so there was a, do you know who the comedian Jim Jeffries is? Yes. So I heard him tell a story because his, they're, he's Australian. His parents were in Australia, right? Mm -hmm. And their prostitution is legal. And he was saying that when his mother got to a certain age where she just wasn't into sex anymore, she allowed his dad to go see a prostitute to fulfill that need. Right. So I guess it, like, in that situation, like, if I am unable to fulfill, fulfill my partner's needs, I don't, I don't know if I wouldn't choose to do the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. because it's not like they're gonna go have an affair it's like it's saving them from having an affair and leaving you right by going okay fine you can go hire someone to have sex with you and fulfill this need and then just come home like make sure you come home oh <laughs> but i was saying the sex spot is the technicality because she's not real well and that yeah but that's what i'm saying like it that's just i guess it would depend on the situation but mm -hmm. yeah i guess it wouldn't i don't know i'd have to think about that because is it any different from just using a sex toy? Like, is it, is it just a sex toy at that point, right? Essentially, so, it is. It's just more complex, yeah. but it is still a sex yeah. toy. I mean, is it any different than a guy with a flashlight? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it pushes back, so I guess that's the difference. But, 
Yeah, I guess technically it would be the same thing. Right. You know? So, but it will be a thing once these because the Japanese are working on these. Yeah. Once these things become something, you're, it's going to open up a whole oh, can of worms. They were at CES like five years ago. There was a whole side section that had like X-rated stuff going yeah. on. Yeah. So like it's definitely been developed and it's a thing, mm-hmm. you know, so like I'm sure we're, it's only a matter of time. Yeah. So we go cut back to Sebastian's apartment. And this is where he he tells her about uh, his his syndrome that makes him look way older than 25. Methuselah syndrome. That was the uh, oldest living person in the Bible. She lived like a thousand years. Oh, yeah, yeah. He or him. I can't remember if it was a man or a woman. There's always biblical references. Everything's about the Bible, Gianna. The thing you don't want to talk about, everybody references. (laughs) But Roy shows up and he tells Priest that the other two have been retired. And Sebastian realizes that they're robots, right? And he's he basically gets he has them admit to him that they are they are replicants. Yeah. And that they're the Nexus Six version. And in order to prove it, Priest sh- like uh, plunges her hand into boiling hot water, and pulls out like they're hard- he's hard boiling eggs. So she pulls out an egg and tosses it to Sebastian, and it's way too hot for him to hold. So that's how she proves that she is a a replicant. Mm-hmm. And they try to sympathize with him, saying that they're they kind of have his disease as well, which is they they age too fast. Right. And that they're if he doesn't help them, that they're both gonna die. So he says he only does the genetic design and he can't help him. But when Roy sees that Sebastian has a chess set at out and asks about who he plays, he admits that it's Tyrell. So this is how they find the connection to be able to get him to set a meeting with Tyrell. And you can see Sebastian's not really that into it, but at this point, you know, he's, he's, not, pro- he's probably a little scared. He's scared. <laughs> Yeah, because he knows these guys are violent or replicants yeah. can be violent, you know, and mm-hmm. he he's not in a position. I mean, honestly, you think with all those creations he'd make, he'd get a protector. Yeah, he'd right. Make someone designed to protect him from anything, no matter what it yeah. was. So they end up going to the Tyrell compound and they're stopped by security, but he's allowed to enter because Sebastian is able to identify himself by chess shouting moves. out chess moves. Yeah. Which the last move is actually told to him by Roy. So Tyrell invites them in and doesn't seem that surprised that Roy is there, I feel like. I think he knew this was coming once he found out that they had come back to Earth. And Roy calls him his creator and and later his father, basically. So reminds me of when we get back, like some of the like Prometheus and those movies, you know? It It mirrors it. That's right. Yeah, or Prometheus mirrors this mirrors this movie, right? Because this movie oh, was first. This movie but was yeah. first, yeah. Yeah. But I also read that in some versions of this movie, he says "fucker" instead of "father." So oh, that was I didn't know interesting. that. Yeah, I, I was. It was. Well, see, this is the thing too. Is like, you know, the 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 one that I found via streaming is definitely not the director's edition because I was reading some trivia where I definitely did not see whatever the director's edition was. I think that might be the one with more of the voiceover stuff. Yeah, um, I, th- I yeah. think so. Yeah. Because um, I think I did see part of the director's one. Um, and then at the very end of this version, the, I mean, the very end, I don't remember that scene happening. Um, when we get oh, to Oh, yeah, I'll when they're 
Yeah, I know what scene you're talking about. Yeah, I, don't... I read that was a, that was only in one. Again, like I, I don't really know which one I ended up watching because I just found one on a streaming service, right? Yeah. So I don't know which one it is. Um, but yeah, we'll get to that yeah. in a little later. But so Roy is asking him how, like, how can you extend my life? Like, can you give me more time? And Tyrell basically tells him that, like, no, like the way we made you, there's no way to stop you from basically self-destructing. Yeah, the code can't be changed or removed yeah. from any of the replicants. Mm -hmm. It was designed that way to not be able to be changed or removed. Yeah. And so we find out that, yes, that Roy, these replicants have developed emotions because Roy becomes so angry <laughs> that he grabs Tyrell by the head and uh, explodes his eyeballs into his head, which I couldn't watch this scene. <laughs> it was, he it did was give weird. him a kiss first, though. Well, you're right. Sorry, he kissed him first, and then he burst his eyes into his skull. So, yes. you know, that was cool. Um, I think uh, the Italian persuasion people call that the kiss of death. That's sure. what the Godfather movie says. Yeah, you're they right. Kiss, they kiss him, and then they die. Yes. <laughs> so there you go. I wouldn't uh, know because I'm not Italian. Yeah, right. I like Italian food, though. Does that count? <laughs> no. No, oh, sorry. But yeah, then they go after Sebastian as well. So poor Sebastian, I feel like, is a uh, casualty of this unfortunate situation. Yeah, that was off camera, which I thought was kind of odd because you get all yeah. that build up to him yeah. and he dies off camera. We never see him again when he runs away. That's yeah, it. I mean, it's just implied here and then later someone confirms it, right? Yeah, so it's like you don't even body. really know at this at this point. You just see him go go after him. Yeah. Yeah. It might have been to save time or budget, whatever, but I just thought yeah, you did all that set up with this guy and we don't see him die. Yeah. So Deckard gets another report from Bryant who tells, this is where he tells him that Tyrell and Sebastian are dead at the Tyrell mansion compound, whatever you want to call it. And, mm -hmm. uh, so Deckard decides to call Sebastian's apartment and Priest picks up. So now he knows that she's there and he decides to go there to confront and retire her. When he gets there, the, again, the apartment is full of all these like creepy, like creations, like robot puppets or yeah. like, it's very strange. And Priest is like hiding amongst them. So he doesn't realize at first what she is, but she's able to like, so she's able to catch him off guard and start attacking him. I should also say they also make her very like gymnastic-like. Yeah. Like she's a very, and, and that's what she gets the, it's a weird scene because she gets the upper hand on him. And then it's like, she stops to do some backflips. That's and right. Then, and then while she's backflipping, he takes his gun out and he shoots her. Now, it, was just, it was kind of a weird scene. Again, you have to remember, this was the 80s. In yeah. the 80s, you got style points. That's so true. You didn't want to just kill someone right out. You had to kill them in a certain way, in a stylish fashion. Yeah. Yeah. That it was all, I don't know why that happened. It happened mainly in science fiction, but it would also happen in those um, like Rambo type action films. A lot of that stuff would happen. So it was style points. So we get into the climax of the movie here. We Roy shows up and he finds that Priest is dead and he cries because he loved her, I guess, and kisses her as well. Yep. And Decker tries to shoot him but misses, which is weird because Decker seemed to be an incredibly great shot when he shot uh, Zora earlier in the movie <laughs> from a lot further away. It's, you know. <laughs> But Roy, and Roy also gives him a hard time saying it's not very uh, fair to shoot on an unarmed opponent. That's true. So that's when we see this whole 
Chase or Roy stalks Deckard throughout the apartment. Yeah. Oh, this, no, well, the, the building. The building, sorry. This is another scene that was very hard for me to watch. Harrison Ford puts his hand through a wall to try and shoot at him, and Rucker, or sorry, Rucker Howard. Uh, oh, no, no, no. He, uh, Rucker Howard's hand goes through the wall. I'm sorry, yes. And grabs yeah, Deckard's Grabs hand. him. Yeah, and then and, rips it back through the hole, and then, yeah. then he does what he does. And then he breaks two of his fingers, and it was so yes. awful. So yes. awful, yeah. But, One for each of the girls, or each of the replicants that he killed. However. I guess it should be three, huh? But he got two. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 it should be. However, yeah. he uh, shoves the hand back through the hole and gives him his gun back. Yeah, he's like playing this game with him. That's right, because the, yeah. you, you can't just die outright. He could have killed him right there, yeah. and he didn't. You have to kill him in a certain way. Cat and yeah. mouse, a style point kind of thing. Uh, this yeah. is a tenant of the 80s, which if you were a student of the 80s, Gianna, you would know <laughs> since you were born in the 80s, but you turn your back on your 80s privilege. But he gives him back, but but we also, there's a comment made because he, he can't shoot straight now with two of his fingers broken. Because he's unable to grip the the gun properly. Yeah. And that's a powerful gun, too. If he if he tries yeah. to do it, he'll probably break his rest of his hand. Yeah. So. And Roy, so Roy gives him a few minutes, too. He says, I'll, you, I'll give you a head start. Yep. And he's, but he finds him because Deckard is like, you know, crying in pain from his fingers. He's trying to actually like get them set, you know, so they're yeah. not just floating. Oh, so gross. <laughs> Broken fingers to me is just, yeah, it's not good. Oh, did, did, did Craig watch this with you? No, he didn't. He was at work. Oh, I don't know if he's seen it. I, didn't, I don't think I ever asked him about this movie. No, he hasn't seen this one actually. Oh, okay. So. I was hoping to watch it with him, but he, he hasn't been getting off till really late. Yeah. We see Roy, though, it seems like he's starting to deteriorate, right? So we realize now that he's actually, he's probably at his four-year mark. And he does this thing where he stabs a nail through his hand. Yeah. I guess to help his condition from worsening. Like, I, I didn't really understand this part. I think it was to focus the pain, I guess. Oh, Okay. Yeah, because the hand was kind of gyrating on its own, and then he yeah. put the nail through it, I guess because that pain was worse than what the old other pain was, and then yeah. his control of his fingers returned. So, okay. uh, I mean, I don't know if that's really a thing, but then again, I saw in the Rambo movie where he was gunshot, and the way he stopped his bleeding was to pour gunpowder on it and light it. Ugh. So, you know, I, okay. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, so Deckard tries to hit him with a pipe, but like it's pretty clear that he's not strong enough to beat a robot, right? Yeah. Like, so he just runs again, and he he gets onto a window ledge and gets to the roof, and we see Roy show up holding a dove that he's found. Yeah, which I guess is style points again. Like this is just kind of this whole thing's weird, but <laughs> this is where I feel like it got very eighties for me. You know, well, like this this whole scene. I know. Became very 80s. <laughs> I'm thinking, because you're, you're, in your mind, you're wondering, well, where did he get the dove? It was just sitting yeah. there yeah, in the rain. Exactly. And he it just did, grabbed it. didn't try to run away. Yeah. <laughs> Is it real? Is it not real? Like, I don't even know. So, <laughs> Decker tries to jump to another roof, but he doesn't make it. Uh, well, he, sorry, he barely makes it. He grabs onto a ledge or like a, it's like a beam that's. Yeah, it's out a beam that's ledge. jutted out from yeah. the building. 
he's caught it by one hand. So Roy comes up and he starts, you know, talking to him and he makes a comment about what it must be like to live in fear. And, and if, you know, if, if he feels now what it's like to be a slave to Deckard. Mm-hmm. And you see Deckard start to slip, but Roy catches him and actually saves him. Which is, you know, so this is again, like why, you know, he's been trying to kill him or has he not been trying to kill him? Like, was it just more of a teach him a lesson because he knew that his his own life was ending at this well, point? The way I interpreted this is because what happens next, he needs yeah. someone to be alive to know that he was alive. Yeah. If he let Decker die and then he dies after that, no yeah. one will hear his final basically will and testament, his last words, his final words of existence. Yeah. But if he lets Decker live, he can at least let, let Decker, who should tell the world what this man felt like in his last moments on this earth, because it's yeah. all coming to an end for him. So that's yeah. how I interpret it. And I guess that's what he's saying is he's like, I've seen so much in my lifetime. Yeah, no one will ever, ever, you know, be able to know. Oh, and- yeah. He says that I've seen so many things. And uh, I'm paraphrasing this right now, though, but he tells Deckard that all the moments of my life will be lost like tears in the rain. Yeah. Now, I had heard that the, apparently that was not in the script. He he uh, ad-libbed that. Yeah, I read that, too. Yeah. And that's kind of how he feels, because like I said, once this replicant's gone, there's not going to be, I mean, there'll be a legal record of him, but there's yeah. not going to be any record of what he's, everything he's thought of, saw, experienced, all yeah. that's gone. So... I just kind of looked at it like he just told Decker because Decker, at least Decker would know. Now what he's going to yeah. do with it, I don't know. I thought this was interesting because I read that same thing. And what I had read is like, originally he was supposed to give this long monologue and that Rutger Hauer was kind of like, fuck this, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he like picked and chose his own pieces of it and then added that line at the end. And it said like he brought the whole set to tears with how beautifully he portrayed it. You know? Yeah. I mean, you could do a monologue and it could have been pulled off well, but at that point, you've already yeah. done that that cat and mouse chase thing. Yeah. It's just got to end. You know, mm-hmm. it's just got to slowly end. And plus, his body's already deteriorating from the inside out. So it's no point in doing this whole long monologue. Just yeah. say what you got to say, your final words, and then go. Leave mm-hmm. this world, you know? So yeah, so he, he ends it with saying time to die, which is what they were saying when they killed everybody. But now yeah. it's his time to die. And the dove flies away. That's right. The dove is a biblical thing. I, I know. <laughs> so that's why. That's why you see it. You also see it in a lot of uh, anime too. The doves thing because they ripped it off from yeah. this movie, and they they the Japanese love their dove scenes. Yep. So. So Gaff shows up to meet Deckard and gives him back his pistol and congratulates him on, you know, uh, retiring the replicants. Yes. And tells him he's officially finished, which implies, I guess, that Rachel's no longer on their list. I guess so, only because she's going to die. Yeah. Yeah. And so as he's, as Gaff is leaving, he makes a comment of it's too bad she won't live. But then again, who does? Yeah. So I Because if she was a threat, they would go after him, but she's not really a threat to anybody. So it doesn't matter if she's existing. I mean, this whole movie is a commentary on mortality in general, right? Because even the replicants are only four years, but human life is the same way, right? Don't most people ask the same questions of, you know, who will remember me once I'm gone or who will know what I've, you know, been through? Yeah, because I told you, the only reason I want to make films is so 
there's some record that I actually existed besides a government one. Yeah. You know, I, I, I just find it tremendously unfair that you only live 60, 70, maybe 80 years, and then you're gone and the world continues in a thousand years from now, no one even knows you were there unless you were famous. Yeah. You don't know who that shoemaker was 3000 years ago for the Pharaoh. You have no idea, but you know who the Pharaoh was, but you don't know who yeah. his shoemaker was. See, I just find that unfair. So I, I feel the same way. There should be, there should be more to this existence besides that short little time you have on this yeah. world, as far as I'm concerned. So I could relate to it. So Deckard returns to his apartment and the door is, is slightly ajar and you know, he's obviously a little taken aback. So he pulls out his gun and, and he calls for Rachel, but no one answers. He goes into the bedroom and sees that there's like the bed sheets are covering something. And when he, when he takes them off, Rachel is there, yep. but she's not moving. So he reaches down and, and I thought she, like, I was kind of wondering if this is cause I'd never seen this movie. If it was going to end with someone had like killed her and left him in his bed. And I was like, well, that's fucked up. But no, <laughs> she's alive. She is alive. And then he asks her if she loves him. And she says yes, which again, this whole relationship with the robot is a little weird, but whatever. Uh, oh my goodness. And so, yeah, they get dressed and leave. And I think this is, oh, sorry, on the floor, we didn't mention this, is uh, Gaff was always like making little origami figures. Yeah. And we find, he finds a unicorn left on the floor, which I think implies that Gaff let her go, basically. Yeah. So is this the scene you were See, talking about well, that like- Just one second. So. Yeah. When I first watched this film, because the first time I ever watched Blade Runner all the way through was probably about 10 years ago. And when I first watched it, I thought Gaff was going to be a bad guy and that he would have killed Rachel. And this yeah. movie was going to end with him going at Gaff going up against Deckard. And that's what yeah. the origami unicorn was about. But the story doesn't go, didn't go that way. Because I just thought there could have been more to this story. Because the whole yeah. time, Gaff just seems like the shadiest cop in the damn world. Yeah. The whole time, you know? And I did, and I wasn't sure if he wasn't a replicant himself. Yeah. You know, I wasn't sure about that either. Because there, there's a whole thing in this movie about whether Deckard is a replicant. And supposedly in the sequel film, that they, they seem to uh, allude to what the answer to that is. But okay. in this film, people didn't know. Because that's why when the movie starts off, we see the close-up shots of um, uh, Harrison Ford's eye. It's yeah. because he's taking the test himself. Mm. Um, yeah. But they don't give us the answer to it. And that was the whole thing with Blade Runner. Is Deckard a replicant or isn't he? Yeah. So that was the thing. Now, this next scene, though, this thing where, so when they Deckard takes Rachel, they, they go out the door of the apartment. And the version I saw before today was the the, the credits roll at that yeah. point. The, this version I saw today, there's another scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was in the one I watched as well. Is there's an there's a last scene. Yeah, the scene shows this. this I guess this is aerial shot of this wooded area and a road and everything, and then it cuts to uh, Rachel and Deckard in a. I don't know if they're driving or flying. I don't know which one they're doing, but Rachel's hair is different, and they're just driving into the. I guess the sunset together. Yeah. And happiness and all this kind of crap. I hated that ending. I like the other one where we don't know what the fuck happens to them and they're on the run, I guess. Here's what's interesting too, because I saw that scene, but I also read that in the theatrical release, there's a voiceover on top of it that says Rachel doesn't have an expiration date, 
which changes the whole end of the movie as well well that that might be true because i mean you have to watch the sequel then um because that that alludes to some of that too Okay. Um, but I never knew about that voiceover part you're talking about. I yeah. Never heard so of that. when I was reading this, like some of the IMDb stuff, it says that one of the the theatrical edition says that there's that voiceover where it talks about how she was he did. Tyrell said he was special. That she was special and had no termination date. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, so I never saw. But I also I never saw the voiceover version either. Yeah, that's so. what I was saying. The one I watched yesterday didn't have the voiceover yeah. version. So interesting, but. Yeah, overall, I liked it. It's hard, like I said, because I have such a uh, aver- aversion to disdain, 80s, disdain for <laughs> 80s movies. But, you know, it was good. I'm glad that you suggested it, and I'm glad that I finally watched it after all this time. <laughs> so. I think when we watched uh, 2049, uh, yeah. you'll like that better because a lot of the campy, cheesy stuff, there's not, there's virtually none of that in that film. That is more of a modern-day film. But yeah. it's still set in the same world. The city's dingy, dirty and grungy. If I remember right, there's still that Asian aesthetic as far as it looks like Chinatown or mm-hmm. Tokyo or something like that. You just get different new kids. The Ty- Tyrell Corporation is still a thing. Yeah. And Harrison Ford shows up. He's older, but he shows up. Yeah. So you will see him. That film has two reactions. Either you love it or you hate it. That's what I've noticed with the comments. From what I understand, it did make money. Barely, just barely broke even. It's probably done a little bit better since then because it's been what three, five years now. So, but it, it's it's a long film. And that's another thing people did not like about it. Oh wow! And today's audiences, after they're coming out of those Marvel films where it's action, 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 you have to sit there and listen to a lot of dialogue stuff. It's a slow burn kind of thing. And, yeah, I looked it up. It's two hours and forty five minutes. That's yeah, it's a, a long movie. It's by the same director who did Doom. Same guy. This is his thing. He likes long, yeah. and it, even Ridley Scott said, "I would have cut thirty minutes off of it." Hmm. You know, because he thinks if he would have cut thirty minutes off of it, it would have done better commercially. Because they're yeah. they're not going to continue. They are going to continue the story as far as they have decided, and Ridley Scott's going to do it himself. They're going to make a Blade Runner TV series. Villeneuve, the director, I don't think he has anything to do with the Blade Runner franchise anymore. He has moved on to the Dune stuff. So yeah. Uh, I don't know if, if his version is going to tie into the TV show because they haven't actually said at what point it picks up from. Interesting. So I don't know. I like this movie a lot. There are certain 80s science fiction films, especially that I grew up with watching, although this was not one I saw. I did see the influences of it. Yeah. And I love science fiction with a passion. And I do love 80s science fiction, even though Gianna hates it, because... There's a lot of male toxicity going on back in the 80s that today's audience, especially the females, probably wouldn't appreciate as much. But if you grew up back then, it was a man being a man, goddammit. <laughs> so that's how we did things. <laughs> and your chest was bare and you ran around thumping it. <laughs> yeah, I still never uh, still never quite understand that whole toxic masculinity thing of the 80s, but you know, whatever. It was a different time, right? It was a very different time. I also like the atmosphere of this film. It sort of reminds me a little bit of uh, the way Seven was done, where you have that ominous rain, Mm -hmm. except the the darkness is definitely denser in the Seven version as opposed to this one, because there are no campy moments in Seven, and there's campy moments in the acting. There's no over-the-top moments either, and and definitely in Blade Run, the original, there are some over-the-top acting moments 
It's, yeah. But that's just how things were done back then. I mean, you can, you can, most of the science fiction films you'll watch from the 80s had a lot of over-the-top stuff because that's just how they figured they could get their point across. It wasn't about being subtle. That's just not how that was. that decade was. Um, I, actually, it was more subtle in the 70s than it was the 80s. 80s was about high energy concept stuff. Yeah. And, 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 every, I, and why that was, I don't know. I like the film a lot. I like Harrison Ford a lot. And this is the beginning of like his long run as the big action star. Yeah. Even though he hated this movie. Um, <laughs> but he was doing this. He did this right after he did Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is one of my top five films of all time. I mean, that film is damn near perfect, even though there are people criticize that too, because they think there's a rapey scene in that too. And some of the special effects don't age well today. Yeah. That film is it's a great film. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, amazingly awesome. And it's, that is also 40 years old. So, or yeah. 41, whatever it is. So, um, but yeah, I, I like Harrison Ford. He's a very cool dude. Um, he He's kind of like a throwback to what Western characters were like John Wayne was. Except he doesn't, I think he's, oh, he did. He did Cowboys and Aliens, which was horrible. But <laughs> he, the movie, the style of man he is reminds me of somebody out of the Westerns. And that's why I like him a lot. Um, and I like this movie too. I wish they could have done more Blade Runners back then, but he hated doing this movie so much and he hated Ridley Scott so much he weren't going <laughs> to see it. Yeah. <laughs> and Ridley Scott's one of my top five directors of all time because I like it. I like, I don't like all the stuff he does, but the stuff I do like by him is really done well. Like I'm not into Thelma and Louise. You never see me watch that. It's a great movie, though. I'm I sure know, it not is. Not for you, but it's a great movie. I'm sure. Um, and uh, but the stuff he does that I like, I really, really enjoy. And he's a different kind of director. And he does all kinds of different movies. That's the other thing. I, like they're gonna do a sequel to, or I guess it's a prequel to The Gladiator. Oh, interesting. Because they've been talking about it forever. It came out in 2000, the original one. And they've been talking about it for years and years and years. And I didn't think they were going to do it. And they've just announced it. But I saw that in the theater. Interesting. Again, I'm a big Ridley Scott fan. And I wasn't sure if Gianna was ever going to watch this. And I'm glad she did. Although I know every time we go into the 80s, she, the cheesiness kills her. You know, <laughs> it's just, it really amazes me how... Uh, how it affects her so <laughs> yeah it just does i don't know what to tell you i don't understand it oh and like i said uh i told you earlier they really do believe that this world and the aliens universe are the same um yeah. there's never as far as i know there's never been any crossover in any medium of that but uh ridley scott is the connecting force there and because of the philosophy that's shared when we were talking about the father-son tropes yeah. and stuff that they're doing that's where people are starting to think that they are the same universe, even though he's never really said that at all. He can yeah. clear it up tomorrow if he wanted to, but he won't. And it was done by two different studios. That's the other thing. So are you interested in doing the 2049 yeah. or have you filled up on uh, Blade Runner stuff? I'll watch the second one. I don't know if I want to do it next because it's a really, really long movie, but no, I got I'm, you. I'm open yeah. to doing it. Uh, yeah, for sure. That's that's your guy too. You're the, your, your boy. Gosling. Yeah. yeah. The little pretty Big fan. boy. Yeah, I, I gotta tell you, when I watched that movie with him in there, I couldn't they like mess him up a little. I I don't like pretty men. I don't need to see pretty men. I like I like a guy who looks like he got punched in the face a few times. I want some scarring. I want some. I want some. You know, maybe he did some prison time. Maybe he got like five divorces. Something. I, I just need some wear and tear on the man. I don't like boy band looking dudes. I just, yeah. it, it bothers me. 
You know, because it's hard for me to believe you've been through a lot of shit when you look like you just came out of high school. Yeah, all right. And I think you mentioned um, on another show, why do all the 80s movies have to have a sex scene? And this it has it, but we don't see it really. Yeah. It's kind of off camera, but that was a thing too. They always had to have, or allude to, a sex scene. <laughs> but like you said, there we, there was gratuitous titties in this as well. So. There was, there, like, there was, yeah. you know, and, uh, but it, it was, it, I mean, it, it brings, and this was rated R. So yeah. it, in, in 1982, so, you know, this, this was mainly, you, you were supposed to be 17 or older, although back then guys used to sneak in the movies. Um, but this didn't. Yeah, what, <laughs> yeah they did. Hanson, one of Hanson's one of my actors. Hanson told me in Utah, you used to have it. Now this wasn't how it was in Virginia, where at least the part where I was from, you could bring a note from your parents to let you go into a rated R movie. Really? I had never heard of that in my life. I don't remember <laughs> that. Yeah. Well, he said that was in Utah. I, I don't know about here, Georgia, but in Virginia, I'd never heard of that. Yeah. You had to have someone who was a. It didn't have to be your parent, but it had to be 17 or older with you to go mm -hmm. in the movie theater. That's all you needed. You didn't, a note wouldn't have done it. I could have yeah. wrote that note. <laughs> so, Interesting. All right, y'all. This is the end of the episode. Appreciate all of y'all listening to the show. Until next time, goddammit. <laughs>